Well, good day to you. Welcome again to the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. Today, we are going to go ahead and continue on in our study of the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible nearby or you're in a position where you can do so, I'd like you to please go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Um, and like I said, we're just kind of continuing on with this particular teaching series through the book of Acts. And the last time when we came out of chapter 15, we talked about the parting of ways of Paul and Barnabas. Um, Paul has now moved on with a new uh, co-worker. His name is Silas. And Luke, who, just to remind you, um, again, Luke is the author of this letter that we are reading. And he will now begin to fill us on, on fill us in on what happens in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul as he now moves on with Silas. Um, it is personally sad to me that we don't have any writings available to us on what happened in the ministry of Barnabas and Mark as they went on a different way. But praise be to God that they did go on to continue to serve the Lord in their lives. We just don't have any writings on that. So, but as we come into Acts chapter 16 now, and going into verse 1, speaking of Paul, it says, Then he came to Derbe, Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. So Paul, along with Silas, here has gone back to visit some of the churches from uh, his previous previous missionary journey. Okay, and I just want to remind you here that Derby was the place where Paul had been stoned and left nearly for dead. Right, but of course we know he did not die, and as the disciples gathered around him, he got back on his feet and uh, he continued on in the work of. The work of spreading the gospel. And it is possible that he still bore the scars from the stoning when he went back to Derby and to Lystra and back to this area, right, for the second time here. And we talked about that stoning when we studied chapter 14. But as I was studying this week, um, it got me thinking about how there are times when we go through a difficult path in our lives. Like I said, Paul was stoned back at this place where he's now visiting again. You know, a period of time in our lives maybe we can look back on where something really bad happened in our lives, right? And sometimes God moves us on never to return to that place. But there are other times that he, by his Spirit, leads us back to that challenging place in our lives, right? I'm sure for Paul here, he might have been, you know, and I might say he might have been because I, I don't know this for sure, but the memories of being stoned nearly to, to the point of death are still fresh in his mind, um, making it very possibly very difficult for him to go back to this place and remember those days, right? And, you know, maybe relive that time in his mind, right? But sometimes God takes us back to that place of hardship, 
so that we can deal with it and get beyond it. And oftentimes we find as we do go through difficult times in life, well, we always find that God is with us even though the times are difficult and it's hard for us to handle. It might be hard for you to handle certain memories in your life, certain things that happened in your past or whatever, but again, God is with us. The Lord is with us. And here we see Paul going back to that place. You know, in Derby, Paul and Barnabas had made many disciples. We were told that in chapter 14 as well, that they made many disciples there. So his calling was to strengthen these disciples, go back and visit them again. And he did not shy away from his calling, you know, simply because of all the past hardships that he had gone through the last time that he was in Derby. Okay. So, but again, it, it's often very difficult and very painful for us when certain things arise in our lives, or we may be taken back into a situation that we don't want to be in because it was very difficult the last time we were there, you know, or a certain set of circumstances, you know, come back around or whatever it may be, right? But sometimes we just need to face the challenges head on in obedience to the Lord, trusting that the Lord is working out His will in our lives, right? He's begun a good work within us. If you've committed your life to Him, He will be faithful to complete it. And that's the situation with Paul here. He's back in a place where he had suffered quite a bit, right? But as he goes on to visit Lystra again, he meets this young man here we read named Timothy. Now, I guess it's possible that it wasn't the first time, wasn't a first time meeting between uh, Timothy and Paul here, because it's pretty likely that Timothy became a believer the last time that Paul was in Lystra and preached, right? Because Timothy is a disciple, we're told here. But Whatever the case may be, we're told in verse 2 that he, that Timothy that is, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to give him, or Paul wanted to have him go on with him, verse 3 tells us. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, it's interesting here. At the end of verse 3, it's, it's a very important statement there where it says, they all knew, speaking of the Jews, they all knew that his father was a Greek. You see, Jews looked down their noses, right, as the saying goes, when it, it uh, came to their opinion of the Greeks or the Gentiles in general, right? And knowing that Timothy's father was a Greek would automatically exclude him from receiving any respect from the Jews. And since Paul still had it in his heart to reach the Jews for Jesus, it was important that Timothy become circumcised, or otherwise there would be almost zero possibility of reaching the, the lost Jews for Jesus. Okay, so remember, uh, it is Paul who told us in the Corinthians, when you read Corinthians, he said, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So he was focused on bringing people to Christ. And being part of um, the ministry with him, he thought it would be best that Timothy go along with this idea of being circumcised, which 
Timothy did. Now, on the other hand, we just read back in Acts chapter 15 in our last study that there was this false doctrine that was being taught that you had to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul wasn't going for that, right? And of course, they had a meeting that we studied about which today we call the Jerusalem Council, where they wanted to resolve this matter. And, um, and if you were to go on and read Galatians chapter 2, the topic of a Greek man being brought, um, circumcised is also brought up pertaining Titus in Galatians chapter 2, but both Paul and Titus knew that it was unnecessary. So again, we're seeing like, well, it wasn't necessary for salvation, so why would Timothy do it? And then we can look in the scriptures and see, well, look, it did. Titus knew it was unnecessary. Paul knew it was unnecessary. They wouldn't do it. But there are different circumstances for different situations. And I think it's important that we realize that as we go through our lives as followers of the Lord, we might look to say, well, well, God, you did this over here in this situation for this person. Why can't you do that for me? Or you had this over here or that over there, whatever it may be, right? But God doesn't work in that way. God doesn't work in ways... It, it, we're led by His Spirit, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, too. But um, here, t- just... Paul thought it was right for Timothy to be circumcised. Timothy agreed, right? Because they because they were preaching to the Jews in that area and it made it a good thing to do because again, the point is reaching the lost, whatever the case may be or you know, however whatever lengths you have to go through to reach the lost, the Lord is willing to do. The Lord is willing to reach out to you today as you listen to this teaching. If you are not a believer by chance and you've come upon this teaching, the Lord is reaching out to you. And this is what we see in the Bible, right? Is, is God reaching out to the world. We call this ministry a love outreach, as I've mentioned before. And the reason I call it a love outreach is because the greatest outreach of all time was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish. And that's what the Lord came to do, to seek and to save the lost, and that you would not perish, that we would not perish. So we have to come through to faith in Jesus Christ, right? But remember here, you know, as we're talking about this with circumcision and what God does over here and what God does over there, right? These, these men were being led by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with, they were led by the Spirit. And that's how we are to live our, you know, that's how we are to live our lives today, filled with and led by the Spirit, okay? But let's go ahead and read on here, verse 4. As they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So if you remember from when we did study chapter 15 in that meeting that we now call the Jerusalem Council, they decided that it would be good um, if the Gentiles were to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from things strangled, and from blood. And again, the reason for this was that so that they could still try to reach the lost Jews. Okay, remember, Paul said, I become, I'm repeating this, but he said, I become all things to all men in order that I might win some. 
the gospel going forth is, is the purpose here that we're reading about as we read the New Testament, okay? So they saw no reason to offend the Jews. So they said, hey, you know, you Gentiles, you have freedom in Christ. You have liberty in Christ. You don't have to do this circumcision thing. It's not about that, you know. But we don't need to go around offending other people around us in the way that we live. You know, the Jews in this case, uh, to the, to the born-again Christians, the Jews were the weaker ones. They were the weaker ones. They didn't, they didn't know the true faith. They didn't come to faith in Jesus. So, but there's no reason to go around offending others in your life who haven't come to Jesus or who you may disagree with their religion or their philosophy on this or that, right? No reason to offend people, you know? Um, so, and, and that's what we see being established when we read chapter 15. And now in verse 5, here in Acts chapter 16, it goes on to say, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now that is such a powerful verse of Scripture right there. Powerful in the sense that it was an awesome thing the way the Spirit of the Lord was moving as the gospel was being preached. Today, unfortunately, many churches try many different gimmicks to strengthen and increase the size of their church. I mean, you can, it just runs the gamut on things that, that can be done that churches try to do to get more people to come to their church, right? Um, they, they try everything other than preaching the gospel in many cases, right? They, they, they don't want to have a church where they're calling people to repent, to come to Jesus, to come to faith in Him, that is, right, to turn away from their sin, right? And you know, but this is the very reason that churches are powerless in the world today in so many ways, right? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and they're not preaching the gospel. They're not telling people, hey, you must be born again. You must repent. You must turn from your sin. Come to Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So, and then what happens? Because saved people, people that are born again, what do they want to do? Well, they want to gather with other believers. So they go to church, and that's how you increase the size of your church, just like the Holy Spirit was doing uh, back in these days. The Spirit of truth, preaching the truth, preaching the gospel. That's how we want to fill up churches today, right? So, again, saved people will go to church, right? They're not looking for entertainment. They're, they're looking for some place where they can be filled with the Spirit. They can speak to one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and they can sing and they can make melody in their hearts to the Lord. They can give thanks always for all things in God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And what I just did is I quoted to you from Ephesians chapter 5 there at, at what the church really looks like, at what believers really look like, what they really do when they gather. But the only way that people get saved and come to that place in their lives is through the preaching of the gospel, right? Nobody wants, I mean, look at what happened in the life of Paul as he was going about preaching the gospel. He got stoned. I mean, they, they picked up rocks and, 
and, and pummeled him, okay? And today, preachers don't want that. They don't want that. They don't want nothing to do with that kind of thing. So they want to preach flowery messages. They want to preach, oh, you can, you can go ahead. You, you, know, you can sit in our church and you can remain in sin. You can remain in fornication. You can remain in this or that, whatever, whatever sin you're in. You can remain in that. God loves you. Well, of course, God loves the whole world. But he loves the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. And we need to believe on him. We need to base our lives on his commands and follow his commands. Okay? So preaching the gospel is uh, unfortunately something that we do not see many churches doing today. You know, they're, they're mainly just, uh, many churches today, unfortunately, are just maintaining their business. You know, their institutionalized business, right? And they're not trying to reach the loss, and they're not calling people to repentance, right? But because, well, you look at this and you see what happens to a guy like Paul and these people that gave their lives for the preaching of the gospel. But it's the only way. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way. And let me, let me make sure that you know that that's what we preach here at the Ministry of a Love Outreach, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. There's no other way except repenting and coming to Jesus. No other way to eternal life. Okay. Now let's read on, verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bethania, uh, or Bithynia, if I'm pronouncing these words wrong, sorry, my mind's not there today, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now here again, it's very important to note something there in verses 6 and 7, and that is they were being led by the Spirit, and they were being led by the Spirit in such a way that they knew where to preach and they knew where not to preach. They knew where to go and where not to go. Even though preaching the gospel is always a good thing, there are places the Spirit of the Lord did not let them go, right? There were places where the Spirit of the Lord told them to go and, and told them not to go, right? And I quoted to you a couple of teachings ago how Jesus said in John uh, chapter 3 and verse 8 that the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is led by the Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit, um, you know, as Holy Spirit-filled believers today, we are not to follow set patterns of traditions or religions or certain distinctions, right? In the Spirit of the Lord, there is liberty, but there's not liberty to sin, right? Not liberty to follow the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, but there's liberty, there's freedom from bondage of man-made traditions and such, right? That's not how the Spirit of the Lord leads us today, okay? So we are to live and to, to move 
as Christians, as born-again Christians, through this life led by the Spirit, okay? When we create our own religion, when we create our own distinctives, our set ways, what we do is we limit, and in most cases, we completely snuff out the work of the Lord in our lives today because His Holy Spirit just doesn't work in the little boxes that we try to put him in or in the ways that we try to make him work with our traditions and our distinctives and our religiosity, whatever it may be, right? We have our own set of rules we follow, and there are certain things we are to follow, right? And that is the commands of the Lord. We are to keep the commands of the Lord as it is written in the Word of God, keep the commands of his apostles, right? But We must be careful to not allow the traditions of men, like I said, to put us in that box and completely out of reach of the Holy Spirit and his leading in our lives. Very important that we understand that, right? But anyway, here, Paul, um, along with others, the others that were traveling with Paul, being led by the Spirit, and verse 8 continues and says, Uh, So passing by Mycia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. Okay, so now you see that word we there? That means that the writer of this letter, Luke, was one of the ones that was traveling with Paul and his posse here, if you will. And Luke was a physician. So there's a lot that I could expound on, on Luke, maybe even concerning the circumcision of Timothy. But Luke was was there. He was a physician. Uh, As we know, he's the author of this letter. But he was traveling along with them, okay? And reading on again, verse 10, now after we, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, conclusion, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. Now, I think it's just kind of important from a logistical standpoint that I remind you of something here. Again, um, Luke is the author of this letter, as I've mentioned a couple of times to you here. And we were told back at the beginning of chapter 1 that Luke was writing this letter, chapter 1 of Acts, that is. He was writing this letter to a man named Theophilus. And the purpose of the letter was to tell Theophilus about all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. And he spoke to them the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus began all of this work. It all began with Jesus. 
and by his spirit, he continued to do his work in and through the lives of the apostles. And that's what this book is about that we are reading today. Okay, So as we read this book, we see and, and know of the kind of work that Jesus did and, and does by the working of his Holy Spirit. It's important that we learn that, right? But the most important thing we can realize today is that all of this work done through the apostles of the Lord was being done to spread the gospel and to bring people to salvation. Many people today look for the Holy Spirit to give them a good feeling, to give them goosebumps, right? As maybe as they sing songs in church and they think, well, this is the working of the Holy Spirit. But the focus of the Lord is salvation. And this is how we see the Holy Spirit working in the New Testament here, right? This is why he came as God in the flesh. This is why uh, his, he, he's delaying his coming back the second time. It's being delayed because he's waiting for people to get saved. He's long-suffering. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. That's why he's waiting so long. Okay, He wants people to come to faith in him. He wants people to repent, to be born again. And this only happens through the preaching of the gospel. So let me talk to some of you out there today that are listening to or watching this Bible study, whatever the case may be. First of all, those of you that say you are in Christ, are you filled with and are you led by the Holy Spirit yourself? Now, I have another teaching on that subject entitled filled with and led by the Holy Spirit that you can find on our channels. But if you don't have the Spirit of the Lord working in and through you, then the work of the Lord is not being done. And in the very least, you and I both should have a lifestyle that causes others to see how we live and be attracted to Jesus. They should be able to look at you and see, right? That is what 1 Peter chapter 3 is all about, right? How we should be living as Christians and the effect that it will have on the world around us if we truly are living as Christians. But if we are powerless because the Holy Spirit is not working in our lives and through our lives, we're going to have no impact on the world around us, right? And for those of you that are listening or watching that are not born-again Christians, and you've managed to hang in here with me on this teaching this far, then you need to know that this book that we are reading and what you are hearing about today in the Bible is all about you, right? Maybe you've met hypocritical Christians in your life that don't live it out. They don't live out the faith. But this is not an excuse for you. You have to come to faith in Jesus Christ and be saved. You can't say, I'm not becoming a Christian because of the way those Christians live. Well, don't live like those Christians. Live like Jesus said to live and be a true Christian, be a real Christian, okay? You'd be a hypocrite if you don't. 
because you're hearing the truth. You now know the truth today that you must come to Jesus. You must be born again. And that's the only way to salvation, the only way to eternal life. And I say it's the only way according to the scriptures, according to the written word of God. Right? But you see, Jesus went to, and he still goes to great lengths by his Holy Spirit to try and to reach you today, which is the reason that this ministry exists. Look, you don't need religion. You don't need the institutionalized church in your neighborhood, but you do need to be born again. You will not see the kingdom of God. You will not have eternal life if you do not, right? And that's what the New Testament is all about. That's why these men of God wrote all of this down that we have here in the pages of our Bible, okay? And if you will repent of your sin, if you will repent of avoiding your Savior, he will come by his Spirit and live within you. And he will lead and he will guide you every step of the way through this life as you walk in obedience to his commands. So I'm speaking to the non-believer, but what I just said applies more so, or I don't know, I should say more so, but applies to you who call yourselves a believer. You need to be walking in obedience to the Word of God. Examine where you are today in Christ, right? Now, I'm going to go ahead and keep this teaching short here today and leave you with this message that I've given you. We will pick up this study of Acts chapter 16 in verse 13 the next time we uh, gather together like this. But for now, I really exhort you to seek the Lord. And if you have already come to him, then continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of him. Love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Read your Bible. Pray. Seek him You know, with everything you've got. He loves us greatly. He gave his life for us. And the least that we can do is to live for him. So thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, anything we can do for you, there's many ways to reach out to us. You can reach me directly at dave at aloveoutreach.com. Uh, you can contact us through our website, which is aloveoutreach.com. But uh, thanks again for listening, watching. God bless you. We will see you next time.